When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. always seems to get involved, doesn't he? I'm telling you, too many coconuts have hit him right on top of the skull. Well, I think uh, Anthony will be a great acquisition. He can do it all. Avery, whose show is this? And we're live. Welcome, everybody, here to the Lakers Lounge. I'm Anthony Irwin, joined today on the show for the first time. Uh, It has taken way too long for this first time for this person to be on the show with us. Michael Scotto of Hoops Hype. You can follow him on Twitter, at Mike A. Scotto. He is one of the most dogged reporters and underrated reporters, I think, out there. He is great with scoops. He is great with information. He absolutely works his ass off. Finally got to meet him last summer in Vegas. We said we were going to do this. So here we are, Mike. Thank you very much for hopping on with us. Oh, my pleasure, Anthony. Thanks for the kind words. I appreciate it. And, uh, you know, I'll go with sources confirm on that one. (laughs) (laughs) It's man. Look, I I, having just dipped my, I I joked with this with uh, Jake on last week's show, Mm -hmm. how I've kind of dipped my toe into the reporting waters. And uh, that is a lot of work, man, having to stay on top of stuff and having to advance the story and, and stay with the story as it advances. It is a difficult task and one that you do quite well, my friend. So thank you very much for hopping on here sure. and uh, and absolutely thrilled to get to it. We have a lot to get to. Right. We have uh, the, the, the deadline that has already seen a few trades take place. Um, as of late, we've seen some of that noise die down a little bit. Um, we'll tap into a little of why that might be going on. The Lakers, um, you know, got close to a DeJounte Murray trade, but uh, apparently those talks have stalled. So we'll see if we can get the latest on that. Mm-hmm. And uh, if Murray doesn't happen or if Murray does happen, I think the Lakers still 
have quite a bit of work to do this deadline. So we're going to discuss uh, what that work would look like, look like as well. But I wanted to start here. I tweeted this out the other day mm -hmm. and in kind of talking to some people around the league and some other teams that are, you know, looking to buy here at the deadline because there are so few sellers and because there are, you know, and, and because these, a lot of teams really feel like they are a piece or two away from really contending for a championship. Um, I think those sellers are trying to take advantage of the situation, right? Rightfully so. And the asking prices on a lot of guys is through the roof, right? You have, um, you know, as an example, Boyan Bogdanovich. There's talk that uh, if the Lakers were to get in on Boyan, it was going to cost Austin Reeves. And it's like, excuse me, Tyus Jones is good, supposed to fetch a first rounder. Um, mm -hmm. Is this, would you say, like the norm, would you say, it, it, you know, the, we are still about 10 days or so out from the the, the, the trade deadline. Would you say prices are higher than they normally are this time of year? Or would you say this is right around where you would kind of expect it as these teams posture for, for a, a really critical trade deadline? You know, what's interesting when you talk to executives, they'll tell you the, the, the market went down a little bit and it almost reset yeah. compared to the Rudy Gobert trade. That yeah. had a lot. And that's why DeJounte Murray, quite frankly, went for – all the first round picks that he did previously when Atlanta got him. And it's now ironic that uh, you know, he's a guy that they're open to, to moving before the deadline. And certainly the Lakers have come up for him, but you know, you, you bring up a good point, Anthony, about the market that there are a lot more buyers than sellers. And I don't know if that's because, you know, we have the play in tournament or things along those lines, but you know, it's interesting. And in, in past, I'm just going back, randomly here but like for example when orlando kind of rebuilt and decided all right we're going to get rid of vucevic gordon fournier you know yeah those, those executives were able to get contract extensions at the time and really sell ownership on a rebuild and i think sometimes that that's half the battle like you see in detroit mm. a team that struggled for a while now um you know ownership is kind of like well when are we going to get this thing going here when are we going to get better and you also look at this draft class, it's not nearly as vaunted as, as last year's draft class with some of the top names. You know, I think there's maybe depth here and you can get guys at certain positions, but do you have like a franchise caliber guy, a perennial all-star? Mm, there's more to be desired here. So that's affecting things as well. And so again, big picture wise, I think that's got a lot to do with why it's, it's made the trade market more niched and certain teams are reluctant to be a seller. You know, you also got to look at the the Brooklyn Nets and see what are they going to do? They have a bunch of guys that could be moved. Uh, and Royce O'Neal, Dorian Finney-Smith, Spencer Dinwiddie. And so, you know, those that team hasn't been where it thought that it would be at this point, but now Ben Simmons comes back and we'll have to see how that changes the equation. So you've got all these variables right now. And as you touched on, a lot of trades have happened already, which, you know, the Pascal Siakam trade most recently and Indiana still has more work to do. They have a glut of forwards on that roster now. Uh, you know, I look at Obi Toppin, Jalen Smith, Jarris Walker. You can't play all those guys behind uh, Pascal Siakam. Siakam. Mm -hmm. So, you know, maybe not in the immediate future. It's one of two things, Anthony. This is what I'll leave you with on this wide ranging answer to your question. 
Um, for some teams, it's about looking towards the luxury tax looking ahead. They may not be hitting it now, but by the summer when the new you know CBA rules kick in and things get a little harder, the thinking is, well, maybe we have to do something now before those rules make it harder to kind of clean up our books a little bit. Um, and essentially for a lot of teams, I should say most, I shouldn't say all, but for a lot of teams, that second apron is essentially a hard cap. They're acting like yeah. it, even though it's not. So you got all those factors, uh, you know, affecting the trade deadline right now. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Yeah, I remember that at the deadline, that was essentially the consensus for all but maybe three teams right uh you know golden state blew right through that second apron the phoenix suns looked like they were going to blow right through it but then right at the last second kind of like held on to the cliff a little bit and still are over it but not as far beyond it as we thought they might go Uh, i think milwaukee also blew through it as well and um and and yeah i remember you know kind of talking to some folks back then and that was the that was the consensus was like yeah we all kind of sort of have some walking orders here we got to get underneath this this uh, the second apron here and stay there moving forward, period. And um, I think that is a great thing to point out here as well. I also think teams are nervous about that, the, the, the salary floor rules. And I think a lot of these teams are like, well, shoot, we know who we have in this veteran. We like this veteran here. This guy gets along, goes along with our, our culture. Um, is perfectly fine being a mentor to our young guys. I think that's kind of why you're seeing uh, how Detroit is holding on to Boyan, right? Where normally this guy would have been traded last year, but his asking price is still crazy high. And I think they're kind of like, well, we're going to have to hit that salary for regardless. We know what we have here. We don't know how a different veteran or a different outsized contract would look like or, or fair in our culture here. Yeah. Um, and, and how they would handle this as well. So that the, the CBA in general, I think, is playing a, a, a real factor, a real role in, in how all this is playing out. And they turned down two first-round picks from a contender last year. So the price is going to remain high. You're not going to want to move off that if you're Detroit. And, and so with that in mind, it's like, well, you know, there were obviously those talks at a certain point about, well, do they get Zach Levine? And yeah. it's like, well – if you're going to get a guy like Zach that makes that much money, you got to send a lot of money out given where both teams are um, to an extent. I mean, Detroit, I guess, doesn't have to if they don't want because they got, you know, future cap space looking ahead. But still, Boyan's a guy like a lot of teams want and could help a playoff team if he ended up going there. But all these different dominoes come into effect. And, um, you know, for the Lakers – I know you touched on like maybe them if they would get in it. I, I think it'd be a little too rich for their blood uh, at this point. It's crazy. <laughs> the boy on Bogdanovich on an expiring deal is too rich for blood. It's crazy. Uh, I mean, but the thing about Boyan though is like to your point, like it isn't expired. Well, I think he has uh no, it might be another year. It's not. He's got another year after that, but I think it's uh partial guaranteed. But a team would yes. a team would easily, in my opinion, if you're picking him up, you're 
unofficially wink winking and going to guarantee that for him because it's a team control uh option because it's not guaranteed money and the team has the decision but for boyan it's only two million guaranteed next year yeah but i mean you're you're gonna keep him at that price i don't don't see why um i would say you know for the lakers they've been in a lot of talks and we might as well start with dejounte murray certainly the the big elephant in the room for los angeles um, you know, as I had touched on on Hoopsack, they were looking for a, really a third team at a certain point of, that would take D'Angelo Russell. And ironically, in the midst of that, D'Angelo Russell goes on a tear. And, I, you know, I, I would say to you, Anthony, I certainly don't think D'Angelo Russell wants to get traded. I want to put that out there. Mm-hmm. He's not playing like a guy that wants to get moved, I'll tell you that. And you know, this is essentially what you would need out of a third guy for the Lakers anyway behind LeBron and AD. So, um, you know, when the talks were going on, the bigger question was, does a team like Washington, Charlotte, teams that are openly out on the market telling teams, hey, we'll take on future money if you've got future draft picks for us. But at this point, you know, the Lakers would be given a pick and potentially Jalen Hood Shafino to either the Hawks or rerouted somewhere else in a three-team deal if that were to happen eventually with DeJounte. So they're not going to want to give extra draft capital to get off D'Angelo. The Hawks aren't going to want to do that, you know. Yeah. Um, so ultimately, like, I think, uh, you know, those talks have, I would say, lessened a little bit. And mm-hmm. so now – while the noise around DeJounte with the Lakers has quieted a little bit, you know, you still got 10 days before the deadline, still plenty of talks to be had. So I wouldn't rule anything out just yet. I think that's early. Um, you know, I do know I had Jovan Buha on the Hoopside podcast and we were talking about Zach Levine. I would say that's more unlikely uh, yeah. at this point. But, you know, there's other guys they've been linked to, you know, Tyus Jones. But if you're going to keep D'Angelo, I don't really – see the vantage point there of going for Tyus, especially when Washington wants a first round pick as I've reported for him. Um, you know, other guys like Dorian Finney Smith role players, you're not going to give up uh, the asking price for him. You know, it, it, some teams have told me they think it would take, you know, the equivalent of two first or a first round pick and a rotation guy for Dorian Finney Smith. I don't think, you know, that would behoove, a team like the Lakers right now, they don't have like a surplus of that. And the other thing is when you look at them in general, okay, you've got really D'Angelo Russell, maybe Rui Hachimura, and you got the future pick down the line in 2029. And if you trade Rui, well, okay, now you got a front court deficit as your third scorer off the bench. If you move D'Angelo, well, you better be getting a point guard back. Um, that's going to be a table setter for you. And, I mean, I know you can play LeBron at the one, but a guy that's going to knock down and hit shots, I'm pretty sure D'Angelo is shooting over 40% now from three. It's Mm -hmm. pretty good. You know, Austin Reeves, they don't really want to touch. I think it would take, theoretically, an all-star caliber guy that's in his prime now in a bigger package that would have to involve Austin Reeves. They love him. He's on a cheaper deal which matters for them, as we've touched on, given the new CBA rules, you need to have guys like that. Um, you know, the, the, the quote-unquote, I don't know, the big threes or like 
the Miami, the Miami big three, like when the Warriors had, you know, all these guys in the prime of their career, that's harder to do now with the new CBA. Or if you do, you're sacrificing your bench. And we saw last year when the Lakers made the move and they got D'Angelo, well, that was better for them. They had more depth when Russell Westbrook was gone at that point. So all these things to, to factor and keep in mind when you look at the Lakers right now going into the deadline coming up in, you know, 10 days, a little less or so. Could we, uh, I just want to, I want to go back a second and talk about the D'Angelo Russell situation, because uh, this is something I always find kind of fascinating in that the larger data sample here would indicate that the Lakers don't necessarily trust D'Angelo Russell in the postseason. That D'Lo maybe shouldn't really be trusted in the postseason because with every team that he's played on, he got benched in the postseason, whether it was Brooklyn and then Minnesota, and then most recently last season against the Nuggets. And um, I, you know, how do teams or how in this case, how have you gotten the sense with D'Lo on how the Lakers are weighing the way that he has played these last couple weeks versus what we've seen over the course of his career? Is that can a couple weeks of solid play override everything that his because heading into this deadline, it was like not even really a question. He was going to probably be moved. Has two weeks of good basketball changed their minds on that? Uh, big picture, it certainly it has a small impact. I don't think it's an overbearing one. But the bottom line, regardless, was if you were going to have to get another pick involved to get off D'Angelo's salary as well with a third team, that's where it becomes tough. Yeah. You know, the, the, the original version where you have – you know, D'Lo going, you've got the 2029 first and Jalen hood Shafino, which they're marketing as, well, that would be the second round pick you guys are, you know, kind of looking for. Well, the Hawks didn't take him. They took Kobe Bufkin and they don't want yep. D'Angelo. So to get that third team involved, you'd probably have to give up another asset to get off D'Lo. And if, if a team like, and when I say that, like if you're Charlotte or Washington, you're not trying to be necessarily good next year or a playoff caliber contending team. So it doesn't matter. It's all about future assets. So you'd have to be giving up more for that. And that's where it's like, well, for the Lakers, is it worth it to do that? Because they do like DeJounte Murray. And you know what his numbers are going to be going forward. D'Angelo's got a player option. You know, you would assume he would opt into that as of now, given the way the trade market is kind of unfolded. But then after that, you got to see what the future holds. And so DeJounte, you know what you would be getting, even if he got the trade kicker involved and things like that. They seemed like they'd be open to to doing that. And when he is right, he does play defense. I know in Atlanta they haven't played defense now, but I think that's a microcosm of being around, you know, respectfully, like Trey Young. Uh, it's tough, yeah. You know, when your top player is not a, a defensive guy – uh, it's fallen by the wayside for the rest of the guys like DeJounte Murray and Clint Capella. So um, overall, it certainly helps D'Angelo's case to stay, but how far does it swing the pendulum? Slightly, but not overly. Yeah, it's a great point that you mentioned, you know, like Rob Polinka did not want to move an extra first rounder to trade Russell Westbrook two seasons ago. And then when he finally did trade Russ, it was Russ and one first rounder, essentially, with some other stuff that went out the door as well. 
to go out and not just move Russ, but also bring in help, right? It used to, you, you know, all for all of last season, the thought was that it was going to cost a pick to move Russell Westbrook and another pick to bring in the help necessary to make your team any good. Um, and I could see it is kind of consistent with Rob Polinka's kind of track record here that mm-hmm. he would, uh, you know, be okay in moving D'Lo in, 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 in a deal to Atlanta. But then as soon as it kind of comes out, well, it's going to cost a pick just to move D'Lo. I could see him kind of bumping on, on that notion as well. Um, if they do decide to keep D'Angelo Russell, mm-hmm. I do still think they need help. Like they, it's not a perfect roster. There just isn't very much two-way help on this Lakers team. They haven't gotten anything from Gabe Vincent this year. Um, I, there are some reports, I believe I, it might've come up with you and Jovan. I forget, but there's so much information out there right now. Um, but there is some thought out there that Gabe Vincent is considered a negative asset. I haven't heard as much of that because, uh, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, like a small contract. It's not even the middle full mid-level. And no, it's I, only two years I, after I, that. I could definitely touch on that. Yeah. I definitely okay, yeah. I'd put Go that. Yeah. Like he, I mean, around the league, put it this way: nobody's taking him player for player. You'd have to give up an asset to get off. Wow. Okay. That that's not. He hasn't shown anything right now. Yeah. And the other thing is this, Anthony. I, at the end of the day, Miami Heat role players are just around the league. You know, maybe with the exception of Max Struess this year, fair or not, are considered you know Heat culture guys, and they fit that system. And mm. You know, Gabe is eventually going to have time to come back and, you know, show if he can do well outside of Miami. But, I mean, ultimately, he doesn't look stigma, good. There's a stigma against those guys when they leave Miami. There just is. You talk to you talk to enough executives. I would say more more than half would say that. And so, mm-hmm. that's where the um, the what am I trying to say? His uh, his trade value comes in in that point where it, it's viewed as a negative asset. He hasn't done anything on the court. He hasn't stayed healthy. And you look ahead towards that contract, it's like, you're right, maybe it's not full mid-level or anything like that, but is it even worth it to have right now when you could use that money elsewhere? And for certain teams, things are, are tight. No, it Again, that's why it comes down to like you would have to give up potentially something to to move off him, or you're putting him in a bigger package with somebody that's really coveted to offset it. So yeah. if you don't have to give up an asset. It's like, well, you need this money to maybe make it work, or we're giving you a guy that's so good that you gotta look at it. And I don't think that's the case. You can't put him with like D'Angelo Russell or Rui Hachimura and say that. Now, theoretically, if they did something like that with Austin Reeves. Maybe that's a different conversation, but again, they don't want to move him, so squash that. Yeah, I yeah. It's essentially, it had been kind of contradictory, and certainly Lakers people would would like you to believe it isn't a negative uh, asset. So I guess that's worth mentioning as well. Um, I, I I do kind of wonder though, like, all right, so they aren't inclined to move Russell because of the way that he's played the last couple of weeks, and because it might take another pick to move him. I not a great market on, on Gabe Vincent. Rui's market is kind of hard to gauge because Darwin hasn't given him a particularly consistent role this year. Can't Mm -hmm. trade Jared Vanderbilt because of his contract extension. Uh, So you start to look at this and you're like, well, 
what avenues are they going to take here to uh, to improve? And on top of that, if they keep losing, is there a point that they that the front office just kind of says that's too much work for for just one trade deadline? Yeah, I mean, I know, like, I'll say this. Some Laker fans have asked about just either in mentions or, you know, when I had Jovan on the pod, like, well, what about Darwin? What about Darwin Ham? Would they consider anything there if they don't make a change? And it's like, I haven't heard anything of that yet. Um, you know, Jovan didn't either. Jovan said on the pod he thinks he makes it through the season. Now, yeah. of course, you know, if the Lakers go on a seven-game, ten-game slide, all bets are off, but – you wouldn't think that would happen anyway. So right now uh, they're going to have to weather the storm. And again, a player like DeJounte Murray, the thought is, well, maybe th th that's worth it. That's a guy that they felt was worth it to give up that future first and, and, you know, D low at a certain point. But, um, you know, again, it takes two to tango for the Hawks. They don't want to take back salaries. I've touched on if they're going to move uh, DeJounte Murray, they want to try to kind of, clear their books a little bit and avoid potential luxury tax issues next year. Don't have to worry about it now. And, and this is the other thing, Anthony, you know, I, our good friend, our mutual friend, Yossi Goslin, who kind of put us together. Um, who, by the way, just had a baby, very happy for him. Yeah. And, and so for Yossi, we, we were talking about the Hawks situation and we both looked at it on paper and we said, well, they don't have to like, you know, gun to the head, you don't have to trade DeJounte Murray. You're not worrying about the luxury tax now, but it's the big picture stuff down the line. So if you're going to get 50 to maybe at best 75 cents on the dollar, is it worth it? That's something Atlanta's got away right now. And so time will tell within the next 10 days where that uh, price barometer leans, whether it's that he's staying or going. But um I mean, certainly he's – the other thing I don't think people talk about, I think he has a little bit of a trade kicker too as well. If yeah, you do trade for him, you're going to be paying a little bit more on the back end. So um, all these factors to consider coming up over the next week plus. What uh, are, is the likelihood then do you think that the Lakers do wind up doing something here at the deadline? I feel like it's it's – you know, fairly likely that they do something, but um, you know, given given the picture that you've painted to this point, it sounds like they really have their work cut out ahead of them. Yeah, I mean, look, I I think right now the talk on Dejounte Murray has quieted a little bit. Uh, you know, Zach Levine really deafeningly quiet. Some <laughs> yeah. say silent, uh, yeah. and so you know, I mean, we'll see if Chicago changes their stance. What a week plus, but. I don't see that at this point, at least with the Lakers. And so do they make a move around the edges to get better? Maybe. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, I still think they have the most interest in DeJounte Murray of wanting him. I just don't know if they're going to be able to find a, a third team. It's The way I've always said it is, you know, for the Lakers in general with D'Angelo, there wasn't a, a situation where they could just move him that made sense for just two teams, a one-for-one one team kind of deal. So they had to get a, a third team. And I would say if you have to do that, well, then how are you going to find the third team that, that takes him? You have to then hope teams that are like lottery-bound teams, whether it's Detroit, San Antonio, Charlotte, uh, Washington. You know, I know people ask me about Brooklyn as well. 
uh, if they would take him back. I, I hadn't gotten that uh, sense that anything was imminent for him going there. Uh, but you've got to weigh all these teams and, and see if you can get it done. It's just a lot of work to get a guy in DeJounte. And again, I don't think it totally like changed the entire trade perspective, but the Angels played well. So if you can get this production going forward, you know, you is it really worth it? Yeah. <clears throat> I it's I have a hard time gambling on this kind of production from D'Angelo Russell moving forward. Like that's that's kind of that's 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 kind of difficult. And I think the Lakers kind of feel that way too. So it is going to be interesting to watch this all play out. I do feel like we've gotten quite a bit of posturing here from both sides as as uh you know there's 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 all this well we really like the angelo stuff and then you know from atlanta's perspective well you got to find a third team because we don't really want them and and so we'll we'll kind of see how this all plays out and and if we want to pay close attention to this legitimately one of the absolute best in this business to help you stay uh you know up to date on all of the stuff is by following mike on twitter at mike a scotto you can find his work at hoops hype He's a great follow, ton of great information that is just constantly flowing uh, from that account. So thank you very much, Mike, for hopping on. And uh, I look forward to uh, either talking to you here soon again or seeing you there in Vegas over the summer. I look forward to both. Yeah, I'll be there and uh, I'm looking forward to Vegas. You know, next uh, big trips coming up, we've got, you know, pre-draft combine and stuff. Looking forward to that. Chicago, definitely Vegas Summer League. Uh, it's going to be, I, I've heard it's going to be a little later this year, so. We might be hitting 115 degree weather in Vegas. So stay tuned for that. Great. Fantastic. <laughs> but either way, looking forward to seeing you, brother, and my pleasure hopping on. Thank you for the kind words. Hey, thank, thank you very much for hopping on. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Again, follow him on Twitter, at Mike A. Scotto, and uh, keep an eye out for some more shows here. Uh, well, the Lakers play tonight, so I'll be live here in the lounge after the game tonight. So until then, until the next time you guys hear from me, I'm Anthony Irwin saying have a great rest of your day. Make somebody else's, and I'll talk to you in a few hours or so.